Hello, and welcome to Co-OpCast, your one-stop shop for co-op news and reviews. This week, hold on to your socks, because we've got a special episode. Hey, MVPs, we have a special treat for you this week. We did a live Q&A on Tuesday, June 19th, and this show is basically the unedited audio from that. If you want to see our beautiful, smiling, shining faces... Go to Colin's YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop, which I'll put a link to in the show notes, and you can see it there. But this is already long enough, so I'm not going to take any more of your time. Enjoy the live Q&A. So hello, everybody. Welcome to the the first, maybe of more than one, One Stop Co-op cast, One Stop Co-op Shop, Co-op Group live streams. You can see all of our mistakes live now. That's right. Oh, Lord above, that's true. <laughs> Rick says you're live. Thanks, Rick. Awesome. We are awesome. live. So I'm uh, Mike, Mike Kelly. I'm one of the co-designers for MVP Board Games, who have designed several games. And we were the, the first co-op cast. And then we partnered with the amazing Steve and Colin... Colin, most of you know already from Co-op Shop, One Stop Co-op Shop. And now we're all together, and here we are, except for Peter, because he's a black screen. Here we are for the first time. (laughs) All right. Yeah. And hello, everyone. This is Colin. I'm still trying to get it to show up on on my computer. I don't know why it's not showing that it's live. So... Sorry if I'm looking confused. I'm trying to get that figured out. But yeah, I'm from uh, One Stop Co-op Shop, and I do a lot of different videos on the fun co-op games, like, you know, Spirit Island. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for joining. Thanks for coming. And then we also have Steve here. Steve is running everything from behind the screen, getting all of this working. So I really appreciate you, Steve, doing this. Thanks, Steve. No problem, guys. I'm the... uh awkward one on the podcast that the the guys try to get rid of they haven't figured a way to get rid of me yet so (laughs) no no hey man you held down the fort while colin was moving an entire state around or whatever he was doing (laughs) yeah i'm still doing it still doing it yeah that's the crazy thing you're not even done yet how how does that work (laughs) isn't that crazy how that stuff works i mean it's it's yeah, it's just unfair. You know, you, you, you put your house up for sale. You think, OK, a month. No, now it's been two months since we put that up for sale. And we're still yeah, we're still going. We're still wow. Going. All right. So uh, Colin has a bunch of questions people already sent in to us. But additionally, if you are watching live, feel free to chat with us. Feel free to ask questions and we'll get to as many of them as we can. We'd love to have you participating. Those who are watching live at the moment. Or if you just want to sit back and enjoy, hopefully there is stuff to enjoy. And uh, we'll do our best to (laughs) inform and entertain you. Heck yes. And in the meantime, I'm still trying to get this fixed. So, you know what, Mike? I'm going to ask you the first question while I continue to try and get this working. Okay? All right. I'm ready for it. Okay. One of the first questions that was asked to me by Sebastian, we have, what is your favorite mechanic in a game? For me, it's unique decks for each hero. So what would you say is one of your favorite mechanics? Oof. That is a tough one. At the moment, it would be Arkham Horror LCG's commitment to not having a loss condition in most scenarios. 
but having the story continue and move forward, except for very rare cases, usually near the end of a scenario. Because having played Gloomhaven and Sword and Sorcery and a lot of adventure games with the narrative, a lot of cooperative games like that, it's really dispiriting to lose those, especially something like Gloomhaven, where all the monsters are in the same place and all the events are the same in the same order. Because it's just a slog to play through the scenario again in a lot of cases when I have the exact same character, and it's really frustrating to do so. So Arkham Horror LCG's uh, way they're doing their narrative, which is something we're borrowing for the game we're designing right now, I really like that, that I, I will get a story told. Now, it might not be a successful story. It might not be the story I want to be told, but at least I will have a complete narrative and not just lose mission one and be finished my story. That is such a good point. You know, if I think about when I play Lord of the Rings uh, LCG, one of the things that is frustrating is when you lose, <laughs> you got to play it over and over and over and over. <laughs> and now, that's good sometimes, right? Because you go, okay, I can make these adjustments in my deck. And by doing that, I can then beat this scenario and I feel like, yes, I've done it. And I sure. can move to the next one. But I do really appreciate, because I'm actually playing through... Uh, the newest one, uh, what's the newest campaign that's going on? Uh, Forgotten City or Forgotten? Forgotten Age. Forgotten Age, thank you. Yeah, so for Forgotten Age, totally just got annihilated in the first scenario. But you know what? We can still continue on and we're okay. And I do really like that, so I appreciate it. So I agree with you on that one. Do you have one for yourself? Yeah, for me, it's got to be hand management, man. <laughs> I just... You know, the, the, the games that I enjoy the most are Spirit Island and Gloomhaven, and both of them have that hand management mechanic that sure. just, it's that juicy, do I play that now? How do I get that card back into my hand? Well, I mean, even think a little bit of Mage Knight, really. You know, do I want to keep some of those cards in my hand so I go for that next round and I'm able to do a bigger <coughs> uh, bigger turn the next time? Ah, I just, I love it. I love all the options. I love all the choices. I love all the decisions. Yeah, I, I think that's one of my top mechanics for sure. And something I'll add on to that that I really appreciate with all three you named is that the cards have multiple uses. In Gloomhaven, you can cancel damage and you have cards that you can throw away or not. In Spirit Island, especially with the expansion, you have you can discard cards and just like trash powers to uh, you know, pay for like the event costs and those kind of things. And uh, what was the last one you said? In Mage Knight, you can use any card as a weaker effect. So I really like that when... It kind of reminds me another one is Summoner Wars, which is not a co-op, but I always liked how the cards were both my resource for paying as well as the things I would pay for. So yeah, I, I agree. Uh, clever hand management is a huge one for me. And uh, have you ever played Runebound? Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, third edition a little bit, but mostly second edition. That was my jam. I still haven't played the second edition, but I Steve, you've played the third edition. I think didn't you really enjoy that game, especially with the co-op expansion? I I do. Um, I like. I really do like adventure games. So I like games where combat's not the only solution you can do. Like um, another example is Eclipse. Like Eclipse is an awesome game. This is not cooperative either. Um, though I'm, I'm hoping in the Kickstarter coming up, maybe they're going to have a super secret cooperative um, stretch goal, but. Who knows? We that's can just, always that's help. all speculation. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, with that game, 
I I really enjoyed quite a bit, but it's all combat focused. I kind of want to have like different different opportunities to explore and get points and I don't know do things. I'm a big fan of 4x games like that too, like Civ. Um, I know we had a discussion about uh, the Civilization New Dawn. Yeah, great game. Love love that we got these different paths to victory. Big fan. I'll just note real quick. Uh, Rick in the chats noted that too many bones, even when your party uh, does fails to kill the nemesis or gets wiped out, you still keep going until you run out of time, which I think is another good example of the one I talked about. I will say I think I like it a little bit less than too many bones because a danger of having the game keep going on is that you get overrun. Yeah, and you get into a death spiral where like you just lose worse and worse. I don't think Arkham does that too much. Like usually the worst you'll get is one automatic physical or mental damage to start at the beginning of every scenario going forward, which is not that huge of a deal. Too many bones when I played and I lost often I went into that boss fight the best I could possibly be. And if I lost I had no even like chance of kind of trying for the remaining days. So, good example, though, that that one I didn't enjoy as much. Sorry, but what were you going to say, Colin? No, no, I was actually going to say the exact same thing. I was just wanted to mention Rick had said Too Many Bones, which was a good point, and I, I totally agree with you. I I really enjoyed Too Many Bones, especially at first, but the more I played it, the more I got a little bit frustrated, especially with the, uh, <clears throat> I would say, the balance issues at the four-player yeah. versus the one-player. And so... You know, if we lost a scenario at four players, eh, it was okay. You just would keep going. It wasn't a huge deal because the max amount of enemies you could have on their battle mat was four anyways. Right. So, yeah, you had more that would come in you'd have to kill, but it wasn't nearly as, um, you know, you would feel it at, you know, two-player especially because all of a sudden if you failed one, you'd all of a sudden go from having maybe two baddies to four baddies or you'd right. pop out one of those five baddies and that thing could one-shot you, you know? And, and so... Yeah, that that was one of the reasons why too many bones for me kind of went down a little bit in my overall favorite games. I I did still back Undertow though, and I'm kind of hoping that maybe with the new mechanics they have there, it might revitalize my excitement for the game. That's what I'm hoping at least. Yeah, I think we traded it away. We uh we we had a similar like really really loving it the first few plays. For me, it was also the the feeling that. I was going to develop my character the exact same way every time and that some of the skills had no use whatsoever. It's like I see this big, it's like a skill tree and then it turns out to just be a skill road because there's only <laughs> one good way to play. You know, I'm like, oh, that's not really variety. That's just a path, <laughs> you know, so unless I like want to play suboptimally and take the skill that'll almost never do anything for me. So, yeah, no, no, not to beat up on that game. And, and Rick, thank you for mentioning it. But yeah, it was it was not one of my favorites. Steve, you haven't mentioned one. What would you say is one of your favorite mechanics? I'm a sucker for stealth games. I'm going to say that as mm. a rarity, but what I mean by that is there's a lot of games out there that have um, hidden movement, and that's kind of stealthish, but I the counter-argument is I hate one versus many so much. Like It's so close to a cooperative game, I just like, come on, just make it cooperative, or just make it everyone versus. And normally one versus many, I'm the one. I get tired of always being the one. So, yeah, just no. But stealth game, an uh, example of that is um, kind of unheard of. Actually, the best example is uh, V Commandos. Huge fan of that one. And we're going to talk about it on the podcast in the future. Um, but basically, you're Commandos, and you're trying to sneak <coughs> around uh, uh, compounds and do different objectives. And um, it's pretty, it's very light. It's very streamlined, <coughs> but 
I get that feeling of you know in a video game where you 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 have a stealth mission, you're trying to do as much as you can stealth. At some point, uh, all the enemies are aware of you, and you go guns blazing. That's exactly how that plays out, and I'm that's exactly how I play video games too. My wife goes, I drive her nuts because we'll play a stealth video game. And I'll take forever doing a mission because I'm moving so <laughs> slow, so methodical. It's like, just hurry up, hurry up and run there and gun. I'm like, no, 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 I got to do this. I got to do this. I'm like, oh, oh, gosh. Like, one of my favorite ones I played was um the Batman series, like Arkham, Arkham uh, City. Arkham Asylum and Arkham, Arkham City. Arkham City yeah, yeah. yeah. Where I'll set up these elaborate traps where I'll, like, freak these guys over out here and I'll have them panic over here and I'll, like, do these chain reactions. I'm just, I don't know. I just love that stuff. So... I'm so, with you, and if if V Commandos, which Peter has, but I haven't tried out yet, if if V Commandos features that uh that kind of feeling in a board game instead of a video game, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. My wife just snuck by so the camera wouldn't see her. You can come say hi, sweetie. You you were on the podcast once. That's my wife. <laughs> you guys having fun? Yeah, Always. so far. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why we do <laughs> nice this. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Rick just asked, who is Peter? Yeah, sorry, he's not here. We should have introduced him. So, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> Peter and I uh, host uh, the Co-Opcast uh, podcast, and uh, he and I design board games together uh, with uh, MVP board games. So, uh, for those who don't know us, we design Salvation Road, which is a cooperative, post-apocalyptic kind of Mad Max game uh, that was published by... Van Ryder that does Hostage Negotiator, Saloon Tycoon, just kickstarted a choose-your-own-adventure graphic novel series. And then we did Dark Dealings, which is a competitive uh, kind of bidding uh, tower defense-ish card game. And that one was published by Nevermore Games, which uh, did Chicken Caesar, Mars Needs Mechanics, and Spires. Then we have three games uh, currently under contract, one with Mayday, one with uh, WizKids, and one with Pandasaurus. And we're mostly working on the Pandasaurus one because the other two are pretty much finished. So that's kind of the, uh, yeah, that's 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 who me and Peter are, especially for those of you who are big uh, one-stop co-op shop fans and haven't uh, listened to as much of the podcast to hear about us yet. Yeah, they were pretty awesome. I was actually <laughs> lucky enough that uh, when I heard their channel, or their, their co-op cast podcast, I reached out to them and I said, hey, hey, I like co-op games probably just as much as you do. Uh, I'd love to be on your pod once or twice. And so I got to be on your pod for Spirit Island and Gloomhaven, which I was... So two, you know, te- terrible games. <laughs> I got pretty lucky there. Uh, had had just a little bit of fun, uh, and so then uh, after that we decided, well, it'd be kind of fun if if maybe we would do a podcast, Steve and I, because Steve had been helping review some of my videos for rule corrections, because as we all know, I make an error or two or seven or twenty, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, and and Steve wanted to start contributing, and we said, well, hey, let's start a pod. So we started our own podcast, and then. Uh, Peter and Mike were like, well, we're going to do two different co-op podcasts. Let's just do one together, and it's been fun ever since. So yeah, absolutely. We've kind of been slowly merging everything together to make this, uh, what does Peter always call it? Co-op, um, the Colo Revolution or something yep, like Colo that? Revolution. Colo Revolution. Yeah, there we go. Co-op and Solo Revolution. Yeah. Um, oh, and, and hey, we got Sue Park, so that's, uh, I think that's Mike. Hey, how's it going? Um, and he's got a question here. So he's asked if there's any interest in Solomon Kane, the Kickstarter. That's Ooh. a good one. Yeah, um, I'll touch on that first. I'm a big, yeah, uh, 
I'm a big Mythic Games fan. I uh, I have Conan. Really love that that entire system and the miniatures and everything. I have uh, uh, what's Mythic Battles Pantheon. I backed that at a pretty high level. I've not decided if I'm going to back Solomon Kane yet, but I also. <laughs> So just to reveal my nerd cred here, I'm a, a big Robert E. Howard fan. I've read every Conan story he ever wrote and every Solomon Kane story he oh, ever man. wrote. Um, as and they are trashy, like even even more so than uh, the Lovecraft stories that I talked about on one of our podcast episodes. Like th- those Howard stories are some pulp, pulpy, trashy fiction, but I really really love them. So yeah, I haven't looked at the Kickstarter too much yet. I, I've been glancing at the page a bit. Um, but since it's fully cooperative and done by these guys who have designed two really strong systems, if I have the money, I could imagine I might be uh, pledging that and, and probably will be playing that, pledging that. And just a follow-up, Sue asks, can you play Conan or Mythic Battles co-op or solo? Conan, you cannot. There's no way whatsoever. The Overlord is complicated enough. I mean, you, you can control both sides. There's Some scenarios have no hidden information, so you can do like kind of the back and forth thing, but it, it, it the Overlord is pretty complicated. It would be really tough to automate it, and I don't think anybody's tried. Mythic Battles has, I think, one or two scenarios in the core game that are solo playable, and then if you kickstarted it, there was a campaign booklet that I uh, pledged for that had, um, I think, two entire campaigns, like groups of six to eight missions, you can play co-op. But if you're just buying that retail, uh, that one doesn't have much solo or co-op. But I think they're doing a second Kickstarter, like a re-up Kickstarter. So if you jump in on that, you could get a lot more co-op and solo goodness. And that's a, a definitely a fun system. Although I will say, co-op is not the best way to play that. Like the rules say. are, yeah, they're 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 weaker than the competitive head-to-head. So if you are buying it only for co-op, I would not strongly suggest it. But if you like the tactical miniatures battles as well as the co-op heck yes go for it yeah that's what i was going to say from what i've heard is that i mean it's cool that they have them but i just don't i don't think that they were enough to merit you spending all of that money. Uh, no, it's like literally flip a card activate that guy with not very good ai like it's 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 fairly dull i mean yeah you can play it together you know whatever <laughs> Yeah, right? Yeah. And why are we even doing it that way? If we're going to play it, we might as well play it competitively, or you can try playing it solo, right? I mean, yeah, anyways. But um, for me, for Solomon Kane, I don't know. I'm not cool like Mike. I don't have any of that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I'm cool. That's definitely <laughs> hey, I'm super cool about it, yes. Super cool, okay? I'm, I'm jealous. You know, you've done, I'm just so impressed of all the different things that you've done outside of games. Like, I have just enough time to get the games to the table. And you're like, oh, yeah, and I've read this book, and I've, I've read all of the series here. I'm like, when? When did you do all this? You just well, pull away the, from a clan battle. So. The funny thing is that, like, you know, I would say my regular job is an English teacher, so I read a lot more. But if I told any of my fellow English teachers that I was reading, like, Robert E. Howard trash fantasy with, like, half-naked women on the cover, they would not be impressed. They would not be like, oh, yeah, good job, Mike. You did it. <laughs> oh man so yeah anyways so for me since i don't know the the backstory as much i mean it looks cool i just i haven't decided if it's worth that amount of money for me i just i don't know if i'd get it out enough to make it worth that i think the base was 115 dollars so yeah yeah, yeah, i just 
Yeah, and um, one of the questions that came up on here that people have asked was if uh, we are completionists. And I'm going to be honest and say I am. So if I go into a game, I want to get all the parts. And and to go all in on that game would be a lot of money for something that I'm just not entirely sure that I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we come the same way. Like the Sal McCain, I'm familiar with the the topic, but I've not read the books. So I'm just, you know, just I'm aware of it. That's my level of level of knowledge of it. But uh, the game itself, looking through the Kickstarter, looks pretty awesome. The issue is, uh, I only have limited funds and <coughs> gotta keep the wife happy. So <laughs> probably not going back to that one. Um, I got some other ones coming up. I need to uh, save up for, but yeah, it, it looks really good though. I do have another question coming through. This is from uh, Steve. Different Steve, not me. <laughs> um, is that from you, Steve? Yeah, it's my, uh, hey, my other personalities, my other ones. <laughs> says, uh, what do you guys think of the Tiranoth, our runebound re-theme of Warhammer Quest adventure card game? So, have so, we all played that game? I think we all have played yeah. it. Or? Wait, Mike, have I'll, played we've all played Warhammer Quest card game. At least I have, right? Yeah, you have, yep, Kyle. Yep, yep, yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, so we, we actually discussed this on our Slack. So if any of you are interested, by the way, uh, you can go on our Facebook page. Uh, what is it now? One Stop Co-op Cast, right? Correct. Yeah, right. Facebook, One Stop Co-op Cast, or you can uh, email us at mvpboardgames at gmail.com, and we'll uh, add you onto the Slack. Also, if you go onto our, uh, our podcast feeds, I think there's a link to a form in there. Correct. But yeah, so we discussed this quite a bit. Uh, I'm super excited. I was a big, big fan of Warhammer Quest card game. In fact, I've <laughs> this is a random feature I haven't told either of you yet, but I was like the guy in charge of creating the unofficial FAQ because Fantasy Flight wasn't like doing anything for it. So there's still like a file on the uh, board game geek page that I created that like I've spent God knows how many hours <laughs> and like, you know, emailed uh, the, the, the Sadler brothers trying to get questions answered and stuff. And at first they answered me, and then they were, and then FFG like shut them down. They were like, "Hey, you can't just answer random questions from people. You got to go through <laughs> official channels." <laughs> yeah, so I, I I loved that game. I, th- I think Arkham LCG, you know, t- took a few things from it, and I think Lord of the Rings is also like has some yep. things in it. Yep. But it does have a simplicity that neither of those games have, with just yep. like the simple actions. So I, I think my collection still has a place for it. And you know, I, I'm not like super inspired by the Terranoth setting, but I'm I'm still in for it. I'll I'll probably still get it. There's not a question for me. I mean the the fact that I can pull that game out with anybody versus Lord of the Rings and Arkham Horror, I've gotta explain how to build the decks. I've gotta explain how to do all of the different pieces of deck building and how the campaign moves forward. With Warhammer Adventure Card Game, I just sit them down, explain these are your four actions. I mean my dad. My dad <laughs> and, and so and this is this is this is impressive, okay? So he can even play because he only has four actions. And when he uses one, then he only has three to choose from. And if he uses another one that's not his refresh action, well then he only has two to choose from. And so it's a great game that still gives you that fun dungeon crawl feel, yet it's simple enough that I can play it with people that I would say are not hardcore gamers. So yep. I keep my Lord of the Rings and Arkham Horror more for my gamer group. Yeah. And, that, and I'd keep this more for my, hey, I'm going to bring it to camping. I'm going to bring it to wherever. I'm going to beat that game up, but we're going to play it. And that's what's so fun. And, yeah, my wife likes it. My wife loved Warhammer. We went through the whole campaign three different times. And yeah, she's like, my, I'm done. My wife and I, too. I think we only did it twice, though. 
Okay. But yeah, because we we make totally different characters. And we tried with four, then we tried with two, and we tried with three. <coughs> you know, I, I just I couldn't get enough of the game. And so then when I found out it was dead, oh, man. and so this this just makes me happy. Yeah, the theme, yeah, it's generic, but I don't even care. Well, I mean, w- Warhammer Warhammer is pretty generic at this point. Exactly. So like all all fantasy themes eventually become copied by somebody else and become generic. Yeah, no, I'm I'm so excited for this. In fact, um, I haven't seen um, verification, but I'm pretty sure this will be at least demoable at Gen Con. So I know Colin and I are going to be trying to check that out and report back to you guys. But um, if it's available to purchase at Gen Con, there's there's a good chance I'll be coming home with a copy of it there. <laughs> so we'll see. I don't think it will be, but anyway. But yeah, for the same reason they said, it's so it's a, kind of a streamlined version or a, a simpler version than the LCGs we all love. And yeah, it's great. And the other thing I like about it is it's a small box, small form factor. And I travel for work, um, not a ton, but I do. And I always like to bring games. It's it's bad. I have to have a game with me every time I travel. But and I brought that one time. Actually, the Steve, the guy who actually asked this question, it's his copy. Um, I got to play that, and I played the whole whole campaign. It was great. So um, yeah, love it. I will definitely be picking up on it. But yeah, I do wish they did a different theme, but. It's okay. They have full control over this theme. They're not going to lose That's the license. Enormous. That's the nice thing about it. We, it's safe. So when they have, they have to do less design work, keeping in a fantasy setting, they can pretty much port things over. If they had made it like Star Wars, which would have been really cool, they would have had to work a lot harder. I was hoping. Um, I was hoping Netrunner, but then you know they lost Netrunner. Oh yeah. <laughs> just so a, a couple. Yeah, that would have been cool. amazing. A couple quick things from the chat. Sue. Called you Colin the Troll Slayer. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. there's, um, there's one of the characters, the Troll Slayer. Heck yeah! I Rick love says that my yeah. Rick says my students would like it that I read Howard, and he's a teacher as well. Well, good on you, Rick. <laughs> and Jason asked a question: Do you guys think more and more games will be Kickstarter exclusive? I think where you're going to see that happening, and see if you all agree with me, is on the big miniatures games. Yeah. And the reason for that, and this is exactly what Mythic uh, Games has done, that's why they've gone to like only Kickstarter exclusive, is that um, to make those games make the millions they want to make to justify the upfront miniature cost, because as probably a lot of you know, it costs a lot to mold the miniatures, and then it's much less afterwards. They need to keep on adding on content and keep on adding on all these miniatures, and if they're not Kickstarter exclusive, people don't pledge as much. If they're not additional things, people don't pledge as much. So you can't put all that stuff in the base box or the price of the base box becomes like $150 and nobody will buy it afterwards anyway. So what you end up with are all these different SKUs, all these different like items. It's like 50 little expansions and nobody buys that and they do terribly on the uh, mass market afterwards, which again is like what happened when they tried to sell Conan in uh, the regular market instead of uh, just through Kickstarter. So I think the big miniatures games, except like maybe Cool Mini, they're probably going to keep on going more towards that direction because it's more economical for them. They don't want to print a bunch of extra copies and then lose money on them when they just can't move that uh, move that uh, supply. Now, regular board games, like none of our board games are Kickstarter exclusives that we have designed or are designing. And other regular board games, they're all on Cool Stuff, Inc. They're all on miniature markets. So I don't think it's a thing for Kickstarter in general. I think it's just those huge, like, 100 to 200 to 300 to $400 miniature games. So I think this is a great segue to one of the good questions here, <clears throat> which had to do with Kickstarter and board games. So what do you guys think, I mean, especially you, Mike, because you've 
had one of your games go through Kickstarter, right? You had Salvation Road go through Kickstarter. Oh, both. Uh, Dark both. Dealings as well. That's right. So both of them. So what do you think about Kickstarter and having board games uh, being published through there or getting their funding through there? What do you think? Do you think that's a good thing? And do you think that we're going to see more of that happening? I mean, kind of already have been. But is it going to continue moving that way? Or are we going to see that pushback of all of a sudden people are going right back to publishers because they're they're seeing that they're not getting the consistency after the Kickstarter of people buying their games? I mean, I think I'll answer the second question first. I think we all see kind of a diffusion of the industry, which is a good thing because it shows the industry is growing and like you're able to kind of make a game for a niche and still have at least some success with it. So a lot of small companies only do Kickstarter, you know, like companies that are publishers, not just like single designers kind of making their own game. And I I think that's mostly a good thing. Um, There are so many games coming out that we can't play all of them, but what an amazing problem to have. Because I remember back when I first (laughs) got into this hobby, you know, you had a few great games like Settlers coming over from Europe. You had like Steve Jackson. You had cheap-ass games that were terrible. You know, like you you had a very limited uh, set of options. And now... I could just take the games from last year and probably play all those for the rest of my life and be fairly happy. Like there's amazing stuff coming out every year. Do you all agree with that? Like that Kickstarter is generally a good thing. For me, yes, I I totally think so. I think the biggest issue I have are the, the exclusives. Well, I I think that I appreciate (coughs) games that do exclusives in component upgrades. I think Steve and I, we've talked a lot about this and then not on the podcast uh, though. No, not on the pod, just just off camera. Right. But the the things that the things that we really like with a Kickstarter that gives you exclusives are upgrading the box. Maybe you have a Kickstarter specific box, so then that way when your friends come over, they go, "Ooh, look at that sweet looking box," you, you know. And 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 yet, if they want to get the game, they can then get it in retail. Yeah, their box won't look as cool, but they'll still get the game, you know. Right. And and maybe the the extra components you can still buy in retail. You just might have to pay for them instead of having them come in for backing the game initially. So like those types of exclusives or upgrades because you back the get Kickstarter, I love. I just don't like it when you have Kickstarter exclusive that change <coughs> the game. And then you get the people with the secondary market. And so all of a sudden, right after they start sending out Kickstarters, people are selling the game for twice of what they actually pledged for just to make money. And I just find that that's, you know, that just puts me not in a good place. I, you know, I just don't want to buy the game then because I feel like I'm not getting a full game unless I get the full version. And being a completionist too, I'm then trying to find all those pieces. And yeah, anyways, that's, that's my opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm the same, but we've talked about this before. The exclusives, while at first I kind of liked them, I wanted them to be part of the, uh, the <coughs> campaign because you know I was just learning and getting into the hobby. <coughs> now I'm 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 done with them. It's fine. I mean, I'm not gonna say that they're not gonna sway my opinion a bit if I do see them, but it's much less so now. Where I'm of the opinion that there are so many great games come out every year. It's okay to miss one. It's completely fine. Like you can, you, if there's a game out there that's like close to what you want, but not exactly, you can even wait. Like there's gonna be something come out soon enough that's gonna be more down your pipe of of your likes and dislikes. So um, I, we're in a, I don't know, we're in a golden age. I think right now, board games. There's just so much coming out, and a lot of it's really good. And I see, I'm seeing a lot of innovations. Like people are innovating on each other, on each other like um, deck builders. 
I don't see nearly as many deck builders that were just, you know, the standard deck building format. Now we have boards and stuff. Like, we just talked about Renegade, how it's got deck building in it, but it's got area control and other stuff with it, too. And it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's I, I'm very happy where the board games are <coughs> going right now with Kickstarter. So, um, But like I said, exclusives, keep it to just box and, and nice little upgrades to show, like, hey, I backed this, but otherwise, no. Not interested. By the way, I do want to apologize for both uh, Colin and I hacking along into our microphones, you know, so Time en- to enjoy the, the germ fest, everybody. This is why we edit, but <laughs> something is in the raw <laughs> <Yeah>. feed now. <laughs> this is what uh, the podcasts actually sound like. You just yeah. get to not hear all the copying parts. And I'm um, so, topic so much, too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, <laughs> in our Renegade uh, podcast, I think I cut out like 30 minutes of this discussion. So, we just kept going and going. That was such going. a good one there, talking to Ricky Royal. I love that guy. Yeah, he's he's real nice. He's a fun, fun chat. Uh, so, I'll quickly answer your first question about uh, actually participating in a Kickstarter. Because, yeah, we've done uh, three so far, uh, Salvation Road, Dark Dealings, and then the Dark Dealings expansion. It's mostly very, very positive with some negatives. It's great to have the interaction with the fans. It's great to see them getting excited. It's great to get their feedback, like have them look at the rule book and tell you the things that confuse them. Like you can do all that stuff with blind playtesting groups, but to immediately have like hundreds or thousands of people giving their eyes to you who really, really care and and are invested in the game being the best it can be, that's pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, like, I've I've met some people through the Kickstarter campaign that I still talk to online that still, like, chat about how much they enjoy the games. That's great. <coughs> the only negative side is a couple things. Number one, like, Salvation Road is the only one that was kind of struggling to fund. And that's a super stressful situation to be in because... You start second guessing yourself, and and to be honest, we didn't run that Kickstarter the best we could. It was one of you know AJ's earlier Kickstarters from Van Ryder, and it was our first rodeo, so we could have done some things better. But like everyone starts telling you how you should be doing stuff, everyone starts like giving you the advice of what's the right way to do it or their right way to do it, and and you're already really stressed out every day that something you've worked on for years is going to come to nothing. So that's not a great feeling. And then also the only other thing, and this is a minor quibble, but people start to think they have too much ownership of the game from Kickstarter sometimes. And they're like, hey, change the entire art style to be this. Or, hey, you know what? Why don't you make this cooperative game competitive? And it's like, man, all right. You know, it's like it's not a big deal. It's not like it bothers me that much. And that's how it is at cons, too. Like somebody will play your game and be like, you know, it'd be great. You know, make this game so good. If nothing you did in this game is anything like what you're doing right now, if you had a completely different game, it's like, oh, man, I really love this. But what if you were a demon? And what if it was uh, actually a card based game instead of dice? And it's like, yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. So, you know, you, you always get these kind of things. I think by playing games or by reading about games, people get their own good ideas. And, yeah, just go make your own game. <laughs> One of my uh, big issues, I don't know if you've seen this much Mike, with your Kickstarters, but like I feel like there's always a few people that, I don't know, I get this impression of entitlement. Like like yeah. they are owed something for this Kickstarter. Like, no, that's not exactly what you're going to get the game, and then that's what the goal is. But past that point, there's nothing that, I don't know. I may, maybe well, and, the ownership and, and thing. you see it more when you're like in the uh, the official kind of control group of the Kickstarter. 
Um, and not, not to be mean spirited, like many people end up actually pledging. So right. it's all it's right. all in good fun in the end. But like you'll have people who are like, hey, I think you should do this and run the campaign this way. And then you're like, hey, we're not planning to do that. But thanks for the suggestion. And they drop their pledge like five minutes later <laughs> and then they re-pledge like an hour later. You're like, hey, welcome back. You know, like, sorry, you were bad. I'm glad you came back. You know, so it's like, yeah, it's, it's a very weird kind of social experiment sort of thing. Oh, man. Okay, let's keep going on some of these questions we're getting in the yeah. feed. So um, we also have, what co-ops are our significant <coughs> Yeah, we're all married. So what uh, co-ops are our significant others favorite to play with you? Pandemic pandemic Iberia because it's so pretty quick and not fantasy. For not fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sucks to have a significant other who doesn't like fantasy. You're know, cutting off serious. a huge group of great games. Like a half of what's out there that's awesome for solo and co-op, you know? My um, wife does not well, like fantasy creatures, so I struggle with that. So. Steve, Steve, why don't you go first? Because Colin and I have taken the first uh, answers every time. <laughs> no problem. So my wife, um, definitely the one the game we played the most is Marvel Legendary. So it's just the this is the uh, it's just the deck builder, and a big reason why I play that is because it's cooperative, and the reason why I got into cooperative <coughs> is mostly because of her. I can play any cooperative game with her; she'll definitely play it. A competitive game, she may play it, but it's a give or take. But cooperative, she loves it, and so it's cooperative deck builder. It's Marvel superheroes, and she she was aware of superheroes a bit, and then when she married me, she got. <laughs> she got into superheroes a lot more because I could bring her to movies and talk about them, watching shows. Then we watch all the all the uh, DC uh, shows on the CW. It's like one of those things we watch, like uh, the Arrow and the Flash and all that. We watch all the Marvel movies, though I haven't seen Deadpool yet, <laughs> so you get to see that one. But yeah, we go watch all those together, and so she knows the characters, and she she likes the cooperative nature of it and normally she's much better at the game than i am so that helps too so she she, she like rubs me like hey who's doing all the work here <laughs> yeah, you are, so let's, let's just keep going so but yeah definitely marvel legendary is one of the big ones I'm trying to think of the other one she likes she'll pull that one out a lot she likes quicker games she definitely doesn't like sitting down for long games she liked runebound but it takes a while to play we used to play uh, Defenders of the Realm a lot. Wow. Back in the day. This, that is not a short game. No, but that game was special because um, when we lived in in Iowa, um, her brother was living in Minnesota at the time. And so it was a short jot from Iowa and Minnesota. It's only like three hours. So every once in a while, he'd come down and visit for a weekend. And whenever he came down, we always watched a really bad movie on Netflix. It had, had to, like, I'm talking about one star. Definitely. Two stars, too good. And we'd drink drink and watch a one-star movie. And so I've seen most of them, like Sharknado and all the good the good stuff. So. <laughs> um, and then we'd play Defenders of the Realm at some point, uh, <clears> I'm going to say, too. And there's always one moment I remember. And it was the funniest thing where her turn comes up. She moves. She's like, okay, I'm going to attack these guys. She picks up the dice. And she goes... Da, 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 and rolls the dice. I'm like, what the heck? Where'd that come from? <laughs> nice. <laughs> so we, we always, you know, give her a hard time about that. But yeah, those are some of the bigger ones we play. There's a few other ones we play too, but definitely Marvel Legendary. Legendary. So, what about uh, you, Mike? Well, you all heard, heard it first here. Uh, so Steve is saying that uh, <laughs> Defenders of the Realm is the Sharknado of the board game world, <laughs> <Yes>. apparently. <laughs> And it's, it's not really... Uh, it doesn't have any monster creatures in that, really? I, I'm amazed that she's okay with that one, actually. Yeah, she doesn't like fantasy creatures, but there's definitely demons and dragons and skeletons. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Well, but they all look like cultists, right? Except for the actual boss when you get to them. So. That's a well, good point. I got the... Uh, I'm, got everything. Oh, of course you got the upgrade. Yeah. Oh. 
<laughs> um, so for me, it, it fluctuates. My wife is amazing in that she will like play new things. She doesn't force me to just kind of play the same thing over and over again. The big ones for us right now, um, Code Names is pretty consistent, especially Code Names Duet. Love the heck out of that. Great game. Um, Unlock series and any kind of escape room thing. She wants to play those the second they come out. These are all my favorites, by the way, from like our top 10 list we've done. So none of these should be a surprise. And then uh, I introduced her to The Mind recently, and she's loving the heck out of that because that game is amazing. Um, is it a game? Oh, my gosh. Yes, it's a game. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to say, uh, because didn't Dice Tower say it wasn't a game or something? So. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> um, it has an objective. It has rules. Like, what, what other definition of a game do you need? Jesus. You have to it's like a shoots and ladder a game. There's literally no choices in that, and most people would still classify that as a game. You literally just move wherever it tells you to until somebody wins. Same thing with Candyland. It's still a game. Okay, anyway. Candyland, I love how there's a strategy guide out on BGG for Candyland. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing i need to read that um and then in terms of competitive uh we played probably claustrophobia a whole lot which is an amazing game and actually speaking of mythic games they're doing a uh, a redo of that because the original print i guess has kind of gone away and I- i'll stop there uh how about you Callan? yeah just the biggest one is renegade she loves renegade oh cool I think she uh, and she's so much better than i am uh <laughs> in my last playthrough that i just did uh, she was actually sitting there, and she was like, Colin, just get this car, do that, make this thing happen, blow up all those sparks, run over there, pick that thing up, and we're like, oh, okay, cool, let's do <laughs> that it. That is amazing, that's great. <laughs> she's, she's very analytical. She's a statistician major, so she uh, she totally knows math, and she loves all of that type of puzzling, and so, yeah, that's what Renegade is, it's like a big puzzle. So, yeah, she loves it. Nice. It'll be funny if Peter never comes on and we just have a black screen for him the entire <laughs> video. I'm kind of assuming like, that's going to happen. And people okay. in the future will watch and be like, oh, man, when's Peter showing up? When's Peter showing up? <laughs> never shows up. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you, right now he just, he just what, landed from a flight and he yes. is having a couple drinks and then he was supposed to come and join us. And I'm assuming... Well, n- knowing Peter, a couple drinks probably yeah. turned into, you know, 15 <laughs> Man- Manhattan, Long Island iced teas and he's, he's done. Yeah. Just a good one for you, Mike. Um, any teasers for the dungeon crawler you and Peter are designing? I want to hear this, so I'm excited. Yeah, so, you, you know, I, I don't really know, like, our, our contract didn't include any non-disclosure agreements or anything, and I want people to be excited about it. So, you know, to give, give away some of the key things, so again, this is with Pandasaurus. It is, I mean, you wouldn't really call it a dungeon crawl, though it does have a lot of similarities with that genre. It's um, robots, like, sci-fi-themed, like giant mechs that you're piloting and fighting uh, an AI like horde basically. And uh, it's a dice based resolution system. It's a uh, branching narrative a la Arkham Horror LCG with uh, very few chances to actually lose the campaign completely, but uh, lots of choices to make like different narrative things happen. Uh, You have a spaceship that you develop over the course of the campaign that helps you out in the missions and becomes like kind of a little character unto itself. And then you not only level up in kind of like consistent ways, but uh, over the course of the mission, you can actually rip the parts off of the enemies and attach them to yourself and upgrade your robot with your enemy's parts and change the way your robot plays from mission to mission. Yeah. So it's it sh- it should be ridiculously good. Like it, everyone who plays it loves it. And that that goes from like seven year olds up to you know like hardcore gamers. So we're 
we're pretty damn happy with it. And, and uh, you know, if all things go as planned, it should be uh, kickstarting in, uh, in you know, not 2019. So, hey, knock on wood. Should, should be good. Ooh. What? Wait, is, is Wait, Peter just there? No, oh, maybe not. Maybe? Hello, oh. I'm here. Oh, there hey. Is. No Hello? video feed, but hey, everyone, that's Peter. We design games together. <laughs> Can you not see me? No, we can't see him right now. Oh, hold on. It's coming up. I hey, there he is. Last night. Everybody, Hello. Peter's the guy in the green. And everyone so wants my feed. I got to fix it. So we see him, but I'll, I'll fix the feed. In a oh, okay. <laughs> hey, we won't, we won't annoy Steve with any questions. We'll, we'll keep going, and Peter will show up when he shows up. <laughs> hey, Peter, Peter I, I, just, I just talked about our game a little bit. I, I wasn't sure if I told. So if I told too many details, you can watch the video again later and yell at me. He totally stole okay, all well. the feeds. I'll just, I'll just delete it all out. I just realized I probably put my uh, headset on here. No Sorry. one will be seated during the Peter putting his headset on. For the, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. The best okay, part of the cool. Q and A was when Peter's putting his headset. <laughs> oh man. Well, oh, my well, here's the thing. Am I allowed to start making fun of? Uh, Lord of the Rings card game now? Oh, man, we have not dug into oh. that at all. We've not oh, where is that coming from? We have not gotten there yet, okay? So for those who are lost, uh, we uh, Steve and I had a Versus podcast recently, although Peter didn't think it was Versus enough. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah, let me... Uh, he, he wanted to trash on one too. of the games a lot more, but it was Gloomhaven versus Sorted Sorcery, so go listen. It's a really good listen. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, Steve brought up in that that he and Colin were going to do a uh, Arkham Horror LCG versus Lord of the Rings uh, LCG co like competition versus, and Colin was going to represent Arkham, even though, as he said, I like Lord of the Rings better too. Peter and I both vastly prefer Arkham Horror to Lord of the Rings LCG. So now we're going to have a four like you know battle royale two v two Destructo podcast sometime here in the future. <laughs> To, you know, find out why Arkham is so much better than Lord of the Rings and, you know, figure out other difficult questions or not so difficult in this case like that. I mean, people just know that, like, one's fun and the other one's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, my Lord. See, see, Peter, we needed you on here, man. We just needed to. Yeah, get, hey, Steve, can you cut his feet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure I'm out. Of that, okay. There, is that better? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so, what were the most cutting questions we got? What what controversy can I stir up tonight? Well, there's no uh, a question. If you want to answer it, was uh, what's your favorite mechanic in games? I said recently it's uh, narrative campaigns where you can't lose until the end, like Arkham. Uh, Colin said hand management, like Gloomhaven or Spirit Island or uh, Mage Knight. And uh, Steve said uh, stealth mechanics like in V Commandos. Nice. Nice. And we haven't gotten to V Commandos yet. We definitely need to review that one soon. But uh, for me, it's per <laughs> persistence. Carrying something from one game to the next. So the game we're going to review in the next couple weeks, because uh, we we're asked to review it, is Pathfinder. I love how between one mission and the next, you get better. And however that is, and it doesn't always even have to be get better. One of my favorite games of all time, probably my favorite game of all time is Blood Bowl. And you get better in that game, but sometimes really bad stuff happens and you get worse. So I don't mind it going both ways. 
Um, so for me, any kind of persistence, as long as it gives you an emotional attachment. And the important part also for me is that sometimes at the end of a campaign, you know, you get to the end of a game sometimes and it feels like a foregone conclusion. Oh, we're easily going to win this or we're easily going to lose this. Well, I like when that decision sometimes goes against that. And I mean, even Gloomhaven is an example. They make you collect those last couple coins, right? Like if you don't collect them, you don't get them. And so things that make you do things that you wouldn't normally do and may lead to great successes and utter failure, like that kind of persistence in a game for me makes it more, it just makes me more invested. So I want to note, so Jack Spratt just said that Arkham Horror LCG is the only game to date where I threw the token bag across the table after a series of terrible pulls, LOL. <laughs> and uh, Colin replied, a.k.a. Lord of the Rings equals better. But I'll note, how emotionally invested in that game did Jack have to be to throw the token bag? That shows the mark of a great game because you actually care. Does anybody throw their deck of Lord of the Rings cards when they get a bad treachery pool? I don't think so That's because, because you they don't care as much. Game. You don't need to worry about yeah. randomness. Exactly, um, because you can actually affect it, boom, instead of just drawing from a dang bag. Oh, yeah, because oh, yeah, <laughs> games with no randomness are so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ch chess is all the rage. Chess and go, like, that's all anybody plays these days, right? <laughs> well, I will say, see, now I'm going to sell Mike out. See, this is why you guys needed me on the whole time you're right. We're going to sell Mike out. We were playing a game of Summoner's War Wars once, and oh, I got so yeah. mad. He threw his watch across the room. I thought he broke his watch or my wall or both. I wasn't really sure. Thankfully, everything survived and ended up okay. But, uh, I mean, for me, if you're that emotionally invested in a game, that's a mark of a great game for me. Yeah. So I, I agree with Mike here. Throwing your token bag across the room is probably a, a good sign that you at least care about what's happening. <coughs> we'll give you that. We'll give you that. But you have the same feel with Lord of the Rings and those shadow cards, right, Steve? I mean, sometimes those shadow cards, you just want to throw them across the room. You just don't have to throw an entire bag of randomness. You can actually figure <laughs> out what's in that shadow card and what the potentials of them showing up are. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. Oh, we can, we can go <coughs> on and on this one. This is going to be a really good discussion. We <laughs> will. We will. Hey, yeah, let's... I mean, uh... Okay, we'll save it for the that podcast. And to be fair, Mike and I are going to have to play it some more because, you know, I don't like to keep playing bad games when I know they're bad. So <laughs> but I will I will for the sake of the podcast, I'll go back and play uh, Lord of the Rings again. And by the way, for anyone who doesn't know me, which is most of you out there, um, <laughs> sarcasm is being thick here. I mean, I, I really I, I remember wanting to like Lord of the Rings and really trying to like it. And I think I liked it more than other people I was playing with. But it's hard to get a game like that to the table when, you know, other people don't want to join you in it. So I am looking forward to reinvestigating that. So I'm not really saying it's an awful game for those of you out here who don't know me enough to know that I'm literally just beating up on it to be fun. All right. Well, ta tabling that for later. Colin, did you want to bring out another one of the uh, yeah, absolutely okay. the listener questions and That's... video watcher questions? There's a good one. I, I, I like this one actually. So it's a little bit longer. This Wait, you see, you see those pages, the dreams of paper. How prepared is Colin? Oh my gosh, trust me. I, I'm also at the end of this. I didn't even mention this at the beginning because I was having problems with the whole live feed at first. 
But at the end of this, I'm going to do the roll-off for the giveaway for the Pirate um, Republic as well. So, um, But okay, so this is from Artur, and we have, what are your thoughts on luck versus skill in co-op games? While some of the highest-ranking games are mostly heavily, heavily skill-based, few games with significant amount of luck are also close to the top. Um, something like Gloom of Killforth. Uh, what do you think about huge swings in luck, and what's tolerable versus intolerable? And I think this is a good conversation, especially for people who play a lot of co-op games, because I do feel like, especially in a designer perspective, one of the ways that you can provide that replayability or unknown is through randomness. Absolutely. And, and so I, I honestly think it's a good thing to have, but when do you get to have too much randomness versus... You know, to, to where you feel like all you're doing is pulling chits out of a bag, you know, how random that is, versus being able to actually affect it like you do in Lord of the Rings. Okay? Just curious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're going to keep going with this. We're yeah, going to keep no, going with that. Well, I mean, I mean, if you... Uh, go ahead. Hey, you go first, Peter. You know, you haven't been on in a while. I've, I've been talking a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, it's input randomness versus output randomness. Exactly. This is really what we're talking about here. Yep. So input randomness is the game gives you a lot of situations to deal with and you have to figure out how to deal with it. Um, whereas output randomness is, I want to get this result, and I roll a bunch of dice, or I pull from a bag, or I do whatever, and I hope I get the result I want. And I'll be honest, the best games, I think, do them both, and there does need to be a cone or a swing, because otherwise you can't get those high highs and low lows. And I think it is important for games to get you emotionally invested. I mean, Gloomhaven, one of the first things I said is, forget it. I'm taking those like uh, critical misses or whatever out of the game. Like we were trying to figure out because I use my best card and get a critical miss. <laughs> but then I realized later, and we never did end up taking that out because I feel like it led to some of the best moments in the game. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna kill this guy. Don't worry about him. Like you go ahead and take care of these guys. And now everybody's got to rejigger their plan to like make it all work. So I do think having output randomness, I, I think both forms are good. I certainly prefer, prefer a heavier dose of input randomness where you have to react to the game. Like uh, Spirit Island is a great example of that. You're reacting to what the game is throwing at you, and but then you have almost perfect information or perfect control. I would like a little bit more randomness than that, even though I love the game. But, the um, <laughs> you, you haven't played with the expansion yet, have you? No, I don't know that we have. No, I, I play. I play with the Spirit Island expansion, and there's a lot. Oh yeah, man, it's you great. Throw in that randomness. I mean, I, I don't know if you'll like it, Peter, because there's more to keep track of. And I know you already. That was one of the few games you like solo because it was pretty straightforward. So we'll yes. see if you enjoy it. But I love the expansion. I, I don't think I'll play again without it. Well, and part of it for me is I didn't want to increase the difficulty, and I think I've mentioned this before, of that game, not because I didn't want it to be harder because I could have stood for it to be a little bit harder. I mean, I did beat it pretty much every time I played it, except I think I lost once, but I was scared of increasing the complexity of that game. Um, and yeah. again, we're, we're going off on a totally different oh, subject now, but um, I found but, the expansion made it easier a little bit. Has that been your all's experience? No. I've, I've been winning against pretty high level empires. Maybe I would have always won against them, but I definitely felt like I was winning more with the expansion in play. I'm impressed. I, I did not feel that way, but I mean that also be could be because I have not played nearly as many times with the expansion. Sure. I think I find myself trying to remember how all the different pieces work because I do feel like what the expansion does do 
is provide you with lots more to upkeep because mm -hmm. you flip over that event card and all of a sudden you're doing eight different things and totally wait mike are you playing it solo or are you playing it when you're saying that you're being um, solo? with the expansion i've played it solo two spirits and three spirits okay 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 um because i will say that solo i i can understand that when you play it co-op Wow, I mean, because I did a three-player co-op with the scenario and I, or you know, with the expansion, adding a scenario and the adversary, and I think Timothy and Monica and my brains basically <laughs> fell out of our heads during that. I mean, the the time it took us to video that, I think, was probably around thirty hours, and I'm not even exaggerating. Wow. Yeah, because it, it just affects so much. You know, and you had this whole plan, and you've got this idea, and then all of a sudden, okay, no longer can you even do two points of damage to those explorers, and it totally changes everything. So I just, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you think it's easier. I, that's not my experience. <laughs> Maybe I've gotten well, really it, lucky. It, it sounds like I would hate the expansion, just from what you've said. I mean, there, there are a lot more moving pieces. Yeah. Um, until you're really comfortable with the base game, Peter, I wouldn't try the expansion. Unless, well, and I love if, the base game. If I'm game, playing but... with you, I'll take care of all of it. You know that, so it's fine. <laughs> and we were talking about this last night, actually. I think it's a good time to at least a little bit revisit that conversation in the fact that I think the reason Mike, and just for those of you who listen to the podcast, so you get a perspective of where Mike's coming from, like games like Sword and Sorcery, I really had a hard time with because I'm not good at managing all that fiddly stuff, and it's not fun for me. Um, whereas Mike, you know, you said your background is in DMing, and so you're used to handling a lot of that. So hmm. did you want to, like... Yeah, I mean, this is just a follow-up to the Gloomhaven versus Sword and Sorcery. Peter thought I should have been harder on Sword and Sorcery, but the stuff people might not like about Sword and Sorcery, I'm totally fine with. I don't mind running through the AI kind of algorithms... Yeah, I mean, ha having DM Dungeons & Dragons and Fate RPG and the White Wolf RPGs and GURPS and Palladium and, oh my god, like, I've, you know, you know I've played playing games for a long time and I'm always the one who runs the game. Like, every time. I think I've played a, as a player in a role-playing game twice in my whole damn life. <laughs> um, so, no, that's not true. You played with Rob in Rob's game for a while, didn't you? Okay, three times in my life. <laughs> um, yeah, so... so and this is, I mean, it's probably a good thing to know about for the podcast in general. Anytime that I talk about a game that might have a lot of like what people would consider fiddliness, it's probably not going to crop up on my radar much. And if it does, you better really be careful about that game, because if it no, if I'm getting annoyed by it, then it probably has severe issues. And the other thing you should know is if I'm complaining about too much complication, it might be that any 10 year old could do it. And I just can't. <laughs> Like, like, accurate, accurate. <laughs> like, I, there's only so much that I would deal with. That's why games like Flip Chips, Five Minute Dungeon, like <laughs> Spirit Island, those, too. No. yeah, those are all right in my wheelhouse because I don't got to worry about rules. I mean, there was uh, some times in a, a Pirate's Tale where I was like, wait a minute, where are these rules explanations? <laughs> so and that game is not complicated, complicated game. at all. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Well, that was a good so one. What do you guys think? I mean, Mike and well, I, mean, I talked I, a little I, bit. Or... I think you covered all the luck stuff. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I don't have I anything think, to add. Yeah. And so I, I'm glad you brought up the input randomness, output randomness. I think that's an important distinction to make with a lot of people. And I, I think for me, what it boils down to is if <laughs> a game has too much randomness, if, if your decisions 
don't have an impact on the game anymore, then it's thins out. You're done, flat out. So, but for me, I need some of that randomness in there. Or I want it in there, as to say, because the the planning aspect of games is really fun for me. Like, okay, I'm gonna go here, you go there. Let's coordinate. Let's meet up here. Do this one. This blah blah blah. And having something kind of tweak that, where you now have to do that evaluation again, that's fun for me. Now, if yeah. I do that evaluation and then it doesn't matter, then no, I'm done. Get it out of here. Not interested. Yeah. So, well, and I, I think Gloomhaven does do that really well, right? Like you have a plan A, yep. but you better have plan B ready in case plan A doesn't go according to plan. Yep, exactly. And, and I, mean, I think the nice thing I like about it is if you have mitigation options, especially when you have, like, I think Nemo's War, I love this, and where you have these crew members and they're one-time use for the whole game. And so you have these outs, but <coughs> the question is, when do I use them? And when I play Nemo's War, I, my crew, crew's always gone every game. I use all my mitigation. So <laughs> they never survive right. at the end. But it's always the question, like, okay, is this important enough for me to mitigate this result? Is this is this the time I need to do it? I love that decision point in the game. It's really fun. Well, I'm put it back on you guys because as game players, Mike and I for Salvation Road put in a lot of options. We wanted you to have options no matter what happened. <coughs> now, even if you haven't played Salvation Road, you can kind of get this reference. So, for example, you might need a lot of ammo at the end, but you need ammo for certain things throughout the game. But we wanted to give you option B, C and D to get out of it, even if you needed a lot of ammo at the end. And I think sometimes that creates extra actions that might not necessarily be necessary for the game and create extra complication in the game. Would you rather have those outs and have the learning curve be higher, right? Because now you've got 15 actions, 16 actions to choose from. Or would you rather the choices be more straightforward, but sometimes punishing, like there may not be a way out of a scenario? For me, choices. Give me all the choices. I love it when, like Renegade's a good example of this. There's... (coughs) You have a lot of different choices you can make in that game to try to achieve this goal. And it's a lot of trying to filter through how can I make this hand or how can I make the situation work out where I can reach this goal. And so, yeah, the learning curve is higher. But for me, when I play games, uh, especially the first time I played, I don't. I often try to play to win. But my primary goal is just to make it through the game and understand and grok the game. Like, I might not get the strategy the first time out, and I'm okay with that. I'm not sure how many other people are like that, but... For me, I, I work more heavily on the strategy in between the game, the, the, the plays, or in my future plays of it. I'm totally with Steve there, too. I, I love the options. I love being able to sit down, and I, I'm one of the, the type of gamer that really enjoys the the games that people say, oh, this makes AP. I'm like, great, let's do it, because I love sitting <laughs> down and just thinking about it and going, okay, I do this, I can do that, and I can do this. Let me try and puzzle out what the best option is. I love those puzzles. But in the same respect, I also really enjoy, and this is, I think, the, the, the hard part, too, is that I also really enjoy a game that's got that dice rolling and that you just don't know. Yeah, you could have all the right cards, but then you roll the dice, and all of a sudden, boom, you've got three misses. And you go, oh, my gosh, it totally changes everything I was going to do. Right. So I, yeah. I, like, I like having the randomness there to provide you with the unknown and yet still enjoy that, okay, I can make a strategy, but after I have rolled those dice, things can change, and then I have to adapt to that situation, right? So um, I'm just I'm just thinking of the one I'm doing on my channel right now, Star Wars Rebellion. I'm loving this game because 
so much of it. You can plan ahead. You can plan, okay, this is how I'm going to move. I'm going to complete this mission first so that then I can move my units here and do this awesome attack. But then it comes down to these dice rolls. And yeah, you've got tactics cards and you can have plans, but sometimes those dice just aren't going to go your way, which is just like it would be in real combat. And I just, I feel like it's a great way to provide you with a strategic or a tactical feel during the game, but also give you that unknown of the dice. I just, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay. So I thought that it might be good that we also, I got a bunch of questions <coughs> about being content creators. Cause I do think that in this day and age, if you think about it, I'm, I'm just a regular gamer, right? So what, what, was it that made us decide you know what i want to do some sort of creation of content about board games and where did you get the motivation and time being that we all have families because a lot of the questions i got were like how do you have time you've got two kids a wife a full-time job how do you have time to make videos or do the podcast yeah i'm curious what you guys say because you know, I want to know how late you guys stay up at night. <laughs> well, clearly I didn't have time because I got here in 45 minutes late for the uh, <laughs> Skype conversation tonight. That's a good point. That's a good point. Steve, why don't you start? I'm probably not the best one to answer this because it don't definitely affects my sleep. Like I'm up way too late at night sometimes just editing or doing other things. But at the same time, it I find it enjoyable. I mean, that's the whole reason I got into it is just to have fun. I wanted to... I wanted to give back to the community that I've been a part of for so long. And so that's why I kind of reached out to uh, Colin um, back in the day where, or when working on the, uh, his YouTube videos. He was like, you know what? I've been doing this for a while. I feel like I can help, help out because I actually like reading rule books. It's weird, I know. Um, <laughs> so, um, But managing that is definitely difficult. I've, Especially now, I've have, having to cut back on things I used to do a lot more often. And manage that, and I've had the talk with the wife. So, like, hey, because if you know me, I can I tend to uh, go overboard on occasion. Like, <laughs> if you were part of our Slack channel from the get go, I might have had a few many channels at the same onset. Only seventeen. <laughs> an additional five ready to go in case we needed them. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I'll keep it down to just the small number. Like, that's way too, way too many. I'm like, oh crap. Okay, sorry. So, but yeah. So I, I don't really have an answer yet. I still feel like I'm in the so new to this and getting used to it. But um, definitely managing it uh, is it's important. So, and I definitely stay up later than I probably should. So, what about you, Mike? So, in terms of game design. It was kind of random. Like I met Peter very randomly in the local game store, and was that a game store? Yeah, it was, cool. it was super random. And then uh, you know we started going over to his house for game nights. And at one point he was like, "Hey, I designed a game. You want to play it?" And I was like, "All right." Um, and you know it was it was interesting. <laughs> and then uh, somehow I started becoming like his main play tester. And at some point he was like, "Hey." You just want to say you're like a co-designer because you've played the game so much and give me so many ideas. And I was like, all right. And that's actually that game going way, way back, you know, whatever it is, five or six years now, that game is one of the games that's being uh, published. Although it's like so different, you wouldn't even recognize it from what Absolutely. it was back then. That game's been around so long, it's <laughs> like most anticipated list for three years in a row under a completely different name and theme that it's under now. Like, I mean, it is crazy how many iterations and how many publishers that game has gone through. So for any potential game designers, 
don't give up. Like, seriously, yeah. we gave up on this game four or five times. I mean, it's a worker placement game that the publisher told us they wanted to make into a co-op, which is completely crazy if you think about worker placement and co-op. Like, they have nothing to do with each other. But we spent it six months to a year grinding on it and figured out a way to make it work. So, I mean, that's a message in perseverance, but also a message in, like, yeah, you never know what's going to happen. Like, yeah, even and, when the game is signed, talking, it's not over. <laughs> yeah, like, we're talking, like, publishers, like, giving us documents, like, playing the game, like, talking and talking and talking, and then just getting dropped completely. Like, it, it was it was a rough... Uh, none of our other games have had that. That's the weird thing. Like, we've, we've either yeah. gotten a no or a yes. You know what I mean? Like, every other game has been pretty straightforward. That game's been the, the difficult one. Um, because I think then, it's so different than everything else. Like, I mean, I can't... Think of a game that's like it. I mean, it's very Euro, but it's very dice rolly at the same time. I mean, being those two extremes in one game, I think, is is a hard sell sometimes, you know, because people want one or the other, as we were talking about earlier. And this game gives you both extremes really in, a, in an interesting package, I think. Have you guys heard of Atlantis Rising? I've heard of it. Okay, so what you're describing is very similar to that game, and that's the only game I've ever seen this way where... You are, you are playing cooperatively. The island itself is sinking, and mm. so that's how you're losing your worker placement spot. Uh, okay. And then, um, if your if your uh, pawn is still there after the portion of the game where the island sinks, then you do the action. But you still don't just get the item. You ha- then have to roll a die, and if you roll above a certain number, you get the resource. But it's dependent upon mm. how far out on the island you are. So if you're farther out on the island, it's easier to get the resources, mm. but then you're more likely to have your um, pawn sink because sink, the island... Sink, right. Yeah, yeah. So it's really cool. Um, they're actually doing a second edition of that. I think September 4th they're coming out and kick cool. off for that one. Um, oh, and uh, Ignacy's game, Portal's game, is like that too. Uh, Robinson Crusoe? Robinson Crusoe, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're worker sure. placing for, for sure and then rolling a dice to see what happens. Ours doesn't work that way. When you like worker place, you're getting the benefits of the worker placement. The thing is, you're getting in each other's way, and it's like, no, get out of there. I need to get that spot. So uh-huh. you're actually tripping each other up in the way you would in a worker placement game, but unlike worker placement, it doesn't go away on its own. You have to actively move your training pawn, and it's not as easy as you <laughs> think to do so. You're going to have to spend quite a few actions to get it out of that spot so someone else can go there and train um that you know that's the path we took for it but sorry distracted mike get back to our yes we worked on the game together yeah so 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 that that all took off um and then for the second part of the question uh yes like especially the podcast i don't do the editing as often as peter does like he almost always does it um so that doesn't take up too much of my time i just talk and i can talk anyway um (laughs) English teacher. Yep, yep, totally. The the board game design that uh, is a lot of late nights. Like especially board game design will be like a burst of really heavy work to get an iteration out, and then some waiting to see how it works, and then a burst of really heavy work. So like for example, before Peter went to Origins, we were both up for like five or six nights in a row until like one a.m., two a.m., three a.m. every single night, and. You know, I'm still getting up at uh, 5.45 to go into school the next day. So, yeah, baby. I hope those classes were uh, were better than I thought they were. 
Uh, falling asleep again at work, mom. No, no, no. I, I would never fall asleep. I would just be really low energy. I'd be like, hey, guys, I didn't sleep enough. I'm sorry I didn't grade your essays yet. I'm working on a game. You know, like. And then they, it's they all take it in stride. That's awesome. All right, Colin, how did you get into uh, how did you get into this? Because you got into it before all of us. I think so. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit, not not a ton. So I've only been doing this for what a year and a half. Uh, I got into it, you know. I was watching Ricky Royal, Paul Grogan, and I was just, uh, you know, just going, "Oh my gosh, this looks like so much fun." I didn't. So I you want to become British? Basically. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be completely honest. That's say, funny, man. I love the British accent. Oh yes. Yeah. You know, and I, so many times I wish I actually sounded cool on my videos, and instead I sound like a Minnesotan with my, you know, Yash or you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> when Ricky Royal was on the episode, I was like, oh, he's so smart. And, you know, it's not like, it's not like he isn't smart, but he was even smarter because he was British. Because he's British. <laughs> yes, you just automatically sound like you're smarter. I mean, maybe that's an American thing. I don't know. But all, all we need is a Fargo game, and you'd be fine with your Minnesota accent. Oh my! I would play that. I would definitely play that. Um, but yeah. So, anyways, so I was like, okay, they're having fun. I don't have a gaming group because I started playing games. Basically, uh, you know, I started when I was a kid, and then I lost it, and I came back, and uh, I was just playing with my wife, but she was never into playing new games. I always wanted to play the same game, and I just wanted to find new, new games, and so I decided, well. Why don't I just do a channel and I can enjoy it and let other people watch? Because I'm generally pretty good at explaining rules as long as I get them right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyways. Um, but so that's why I decided to start it. And then it just kind of hit off. I mean, the big thing that I found out is when you spend that time doing the editing and making sure that you're getting most of the rules right, people really appreciate that and then want to watch. So that's what I started doing. Because you'll see, like, maybe the first 20 or so of the videos on the channel, I just had the overhead. I mean, I was using my phone that's right here, you know, and I didn't have a mic. And then I decided, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right. And so when you spend that time to do it right, people notice that. And then when they when they notice that, all of a sudden you start building that community. And now it's just so fun because you find other people that like games more than you do and know way more than you do. And, I mean, just absolutely, it's been so fantastic because now I'm getting an insider view of a designer. And so I get to see what you guys think about from your side versus me where I'm just, I'm really just a, a game player, right? But I, I've played a ton of games, so now I can give you guys some feedback, but it's still, yeah, it's fun. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah, and I mean, I, I went through our origin story, so I'm not going to go uh, in episode zero of the podcast, so we don't want to rehash all of that. But I think our big reason for wanting to do the podcast is that we had basically been giving a given a lot of co-op projects slash decided to work on a lot of co-op projects ourselves, And this was research for us. We wanted to play all the latest and greatest co-op games. We wanted to dig deep. We were going to have these conversations anyway. So we figured we may as well record them and let other people hear them as well. Um, you know, you know, this community is so funny, the board game community, because it's all about giving back and, you know, it's passing it forward. You know, so many <clears> people have helped us. Richard Launius has worked with us. We're working with John Gilmore right now. I mean, it's funny. I was at Origins. I'm sitting here talking to these people and I'm literally sitting there and it was me and John Gilmore talking. And then Richard Launius comes over. Hey, what's up, guys? You know, like we're his best friends for for life. 
And I'm sitting here looking around and I'm like, all right, one of these things is not like the others. Like <laughs> John Gilmore, dead of winter fame, you know, Richard Launius, you know, Arkham Horror slash Defenders of the Realm, whatever. These guys have way bigger projects. And, you know, we're talking as peers. And so that's kind of cool. And like when Jamie Stegmeyer reached out to us and he's like, I love your show. Like, you know, I'm using it to help me design co-op games. I, I felt like we were actually doing something at that point. And so for me, that's what keeps you going. You know, how do you survive? How do you continue to do something? Well, you have to have feedback. You know, if you get if you get no feedback, you're not going to keep doing it. There's no motivation to keep doing it. And, you know, all the ratings on iTunes we've gotten have been amazing. All the comments we've gotten have been amazing. I mean, it's not a ton of them, but every single one of them I appreciate. You know, the people that took their time, they don't have to do that. I don't do it for every podcast I listen to. I listen to a lot of podcasts. But people that go out of their way and take their time to do that, people who reached out to us and asked these, these questions today, that's why we do it. <laughs> you know, that's that's where you make time. You know, when you have motivation to do something, you'll spend time doing it. You'll stay up late. That'll get you up in the morning. That'll make me grab my phone and show my wife, hey, look, look what just happened. Like, look what people are saying about us. You know, yeah. people do care. And, and that's the kind of cool stuff that, you know, that, that makes it happen. But if you don't have that time, that's fine too. And if you don't have that motivation, look, there's a million podcasts out there. There's a million YouTube channels. There's a million game designers out there. You don't have to be any of those things. If you inspire someone who is doing that, that you care about, and you give them the motivation to keep going, that's really enough. I mean, that's all you have to do. If you want to do more, do it. Great. Help out wherever you can. Volunteer at conventions to work with publishers. I mean, you want to know how to start form relationships. I mean, that's, I hate to say it, but that's a lot of what game design's about too, is forming those relationships with publishers. So they'll even sit down and talk to you about your project. And so, you know, volunteer for publishers, even if you don't have a game design in your brain right now, if you think you might years <coughs> down the road, those relationships will come back. So long winded response, but no, and actually, I, I think this kind of you know, even segues pretty well into one of the questions that we had that's more personal. I think some some people. I got a bunch of questions about you know personal stuff, and I thought maybe we'd all just talk a little bit about what we do uh, in our regular life, and maybe just a tiny bit about our family, what what our family is, or whatever you're comfortable with talking about from a personal perspective. If you guys are cool with that, yeah, sure. Well, unfortunately, most of my life is classified. So. <laughs> well, then, Mike, you're going first. That way, you can get it out of the way. Just say what you can, Batman. He'd tell us, but he'd have to kill us. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a high school English teacher. At this point, I'm the head of my department. I used to be a professional actor. I still direct theater shows sometimes. I've done a few commercials. Um, I write a bit. I've written a few children's books, but they haven't been published yet, so that's a separate thing. I'm a singer and guitar player. Uh, married for eight years. Two kids, one five years old, one two years old. Yeah, that's that's me. I'm a very happy guy. Very lucky. By the way, if anyone hasn't seen Mike singing in guitar playing, oh, Jesus, hey. go yes. to our Salvation Road campaign. It's closed for a long time, so we're not guiding you to a Kickstarter that is still active. But Or, or go to the MVP Board Games <laughs> YouTube channel. He did an awesome... And I, I'm not kidding about this. It was, like, it was Mike, all right. It was Mike all right. is embarrassed about it. I think it was amazing, the work he did on that. You know, he redid We Don't Need Another Hero for the end of that 
Kickstarter campaign, and it was amazing. Yeah, go to the YouTube channel, check that out. It was good, good stuff. So, I'm excited. Actually, I've, I've seen a part of it. I think you guys showed me, and that was awesome. Because didn't you write the song and being like, "We're gonna find"? Yeah. Anyways, it was pretty cool. I yeah. We just need a few more here, <laughs> <or> backers. Yes. <laughs> yes. We yes. yes. just oh, need to find so that it was, it was a desperate home. plea for the Kickstarter to actually fund, r- oh, written in, you know, that, that Tina Turner classic. It was, <laughs> and man, that song was really high. It was not, not, it was not the easiest thing to sing. <laughs> no, but it was so good, and it was so genuine, and it was so heartfelt. I'll have to go back and watch it. I, I've been too embarrassed to look at it in you know the several years since. Uh, it was good. There, there was one part you cracked. Uh, I'll be honest. There was one part that was a little cracking going on, but most of it was amazing. And even with that part, like I still listen to it, like for entertainment. <laughs> On my own, like, you know, maybe I'm a Mike Kelly fanboy, but. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Aren't, aren't we all? Aren't we all? <laughs> cool. Okay, well, I'll go next. So uh, I'm Colin, and my I have a wife, Monica. We have two kids, a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Uh, I work for uh, Wells Fargo Bank. I am a tax accountant. I work with our expats and impats that move across country, deal with all their tax situations, make sure that their taxes are taken care of, file tax equalizations like you're going to fall asleep as I'm talking. Uh, but yeah, that's the type of stuff that I work on. Uh, I have a lot of fun with it. I think I, as you can tell with the channel, I'm very passionate about what I do. And so I love, this sounds funny, I love taxes, but I love being able to explain it to people and have them understand it and make, the, make the, and them be able to choose or make the right decisions for their personal life. So I get to do that uh, for my job. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, you're dealing with a lot of people that are having lots of change since they're moving across the country. And so helping them understand all the different tax jurisdictions, what's going to happen when their kids go to school, what's deductible, what's not. So, yeah, that's what I do for my living. Um, and, and yeah, well, how I fit this channel in is just like you guys. I forgot to mention this. I'm the same way. I fit it in at night. I'm, my kids go to bed at 830. That's when I start recording. Mm-hmm. I start recording around 830, 9 o'clock. Yeah. And I'm done about two, and I'm a, I'm an early goer. I'm up by four fifty-five. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. You sleep from two to four fifty. Uh, that's your you, sleep schedule. No, as my wife tells me, it's not enough, and that's why she drives to a lot of the places that we go. Do you sleep in the car at least? Like, what is going on? I take, here? A, I take a bus, and no, because usually on the bus, I'm going to be honest. I'm reading rules or watching a YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're not driving. Thank God the children of Minnesota are safe because with two to three hours of sleep a night, like I fear for the lives of anyone who would be around as we were driving. But don't worry, I don't drive off. I mean, I take a bus, so I take a bus in. Don't worry. Um, But yeah, you know, it's just it's all about that passion, you know, and and having the interaction with all of you and all of the listeners. I just and all the watchers on YouTube, I just can't tell you enough how much <coughs> and what that type of support and excitement that keeps my excitement going. So, yeah, that's me. Oh, and I did want to mention one other thing. I also majored in music. And if everyone uh, wants to see uh, a, a hilarious uh, video, search on YouTube, Amazing Marimba Man, and you'll find me playing, uh, I can't remember the name of it, Stubernick, I think it's called, uh, on uh, Marimba, doing four mallets. So I do four mallets on the Marimba. 
And my uncle, who made it, did all these like weird video stuff and doing it. And it, uh, there's so many comments being like, dude, this video is the best to watch when you're high. <laughs> so, yeah. Or on Just, two hours of sleep. Or on two hours of sleep. Yeah. But anyway, it's kind pretty of the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Marimba. I wouldn't even know how to spell that, but I'm yeah, going to try. M-A-R-I-M-B-A. That's what all right. Yeah, so nice. It's like a xylophone. It's like a xylophone. It's just rosewood. It's got a much nicer nice. color sound. Yeah. So anyway, I have me. it saved in a new tab. So once this is all done, Gosh, that'll be my. Uh... It's long. It's not. I mean, it's like what, fifteen minutes long. So it's not a short video. But yeah, you'll uh, you'll get to hear what. And that's what I used to do all through college. I actually stole my marimba, which was kind of sad. But you know, when you have kids, you got to be able to like have a car. So yeah. Right. But anyways, fun stuff. Well, one day we'll buy you a marimba. That's what all our wonderful Patreon money is going to get us. By the way, we don't have a Patreon. So yeah, I was going to say, for it. <laughs> if, if there is sweet podcast money out there, we don't have any of it yet. Right, right now we're just yes. hemorrhaging our monthly fee, and that's it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right, Steve, tell us about you. Sure. So um, my day job, I actually work at John Deere. I'm a... Electrical engineer by trade, and now I'm in the uh, user experience group. So, yeah, in fact, just point to my uh, desk here. There you go. Oh, what wow. the heck? All right. Awesome. For anybody who's listening to this on the podcast and not seeing it on YouTube, there's a giant tractor. I guess it's not giant. It might be a little toy. But it's got, like, tank <laughs> tracks on it. Yeah, like, it's four that's, tracks. That's awesome. Yep. Four tracks machine. So, yeah, that's actually uh, – actually, my wife also works for John Deere, too. But we've the funny thing is we obviously live together, but we've never been in the same building ever. <laughs> like even now, we drive. I drive thirty minutes north. She drives thirty minutes south to different buildings. So it's funny how that works. But um, yeah. So I'm John Deere, the user experience. So kind of what I do is well, make sure that the I design like the touch screens and the displays, some of that content. I go out to customers and test with them. In fact, I've got fun little toys like here. Working on this for uh, for working now. It's a VR headset, so doing some uh, evaluations with that with customers in the near future. So yeah, I'm very. Much... Are they going to wear VR while they're riding on the tractor <laughs> and like see themselves mowing down zombies? Is that what's going on here? Is this like <laughs> hey hey hey? Don't undersell the excitement of operating a tractor. They have a long history of video games where that's all you do all the time. <clears throat> I will say that if you're going zombie killing, grab a sugar cane. And if you guys have a chance, look at Google Sugar Cane. It's got these giant like corkscrews that's designed to stand at the stalks. And at the top of the uh, the sugar cane stalk, you don't want that. It's all like leaves. So you want to chop it off. So these these blades that you set at a certain height that ch- chop at the top. So that'd be like zombie head height. Then you just pull the zombies up and through the machines. Perfect for that. So nice. All right. Nice. I mean, so, I, not that I've thought of this before. So <laughs> go to John Deere when the zombie apocalypse happens and get yourself a zombie killer. Got it. <laughs> I'm going to save that. Okay, I want to make sure I know that and remember. I'll tell my wife. I mean, that is amazing. Why has that not been in a movie yet? Like, just think of that scene, like a horde of zombies, like World War Z 2, like Brad Pitt operating a John Deere tractor, just mowing them down. That'd be awesome. So we need to get paid for our marketing ideas, make sure that all royalty checks come to MVP board games. It's a Maryland LLC. Yeah, so... Yeah, so that's what I do. I um, test things, and it's funny because in being user experience, I uh, look for you know good good factors, good form factors, make sure things make sense design wise, and that actually ties into board games a little bit. Where I play certain games like 
Oh my gosh, why? Why no? This it just pains me so much. Some of these like quibbles that they do with design every once in a while. I mean, most games are fine, and some games are really good too. But yeah, so it's kind of fun. So that's what I do, and I'm um, like this before married. I only have one kid. Um, he's three, and we live out in North Carolina right now, and we love it out here. So good times. What about you, Peter? What do you, nice. What do you do? All right. Well, we got one minute left to to the hour and a half point, so I'm going to try to make this as quick as possible so Colin can roll off for the winner of the contest. But bottom line is I'm in pharmaceutical sales, and I don't know that most people know what that means, but basically I go around talking to doctors, what is, updating their education on uh, new products and disease states that, that, that crop up. So uh, they pay me to do that, and uh, so I keep taking their money. <laughs> and uh, yes. I'm not going to say no. So uh, I have a wife that I've been married to for almost 13 years now and uh, two kids. My uh, son, Nicholas, I talk about a lot, is 10, almost 11. My son, Allison, just turned seven. I Your son, games Allison? My daughter, Allison. That's what oh, I said. Like the Rewind the tape, but don't really because I was probably wrong. My daughter, Allison, just turned seven the other day. And uh, I mean, they're my gaming partners now. It's funny because my wife and I get used to game a lot. But now it's certainly me and the kids. In fact, just brought Dinosaur Island home from Origins the other day. And my son kicked my butt in it. So, um, yeah, there's those proud moments where you feel like you're not as smart as a 10-year-old. And uh, (laughs) We've had that conversation too, Peter, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. That's why we won't play that game anymore. Like he's taken the tact, which, which I fully commend. Of like, no, I already won this game. I'm not playing it anymore. Like I am now the reigning champion, and no one can dethrone me if I don't play again. So he's he's certainly taken that tact with this one. But that's good. That's good. No, it's uh, it, it's fun. And so a lot of the reviews we do, I end up playing not only with Mike, but I'll play with him as well. Um, and, and it is interesting getting a different perspective, a younger perspective on, on a lot of things, someone who hasn't seen as many games, um, someone not as jaded as we are sometimes, um, looking at it with fresh eyes and going, wow, this is just really neat. I like how you do this. And it's like, oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Cause I've seen it, you know, two or three times before, <laughs> but that is, that is pretty cool. So I said, I wasn't going to take a long time then I did it anyway. So <laughs> Colin, <laughs> yeah. What I'll do, I'm going to do the quick roll-off now. I'll announce it, and then um, what, what what we can do is, I don't know how much longer you guys have. we got a couple more good questions if we want to go through it. Yeah, I, I wanted to answer uh, Kank Rushers, but do, do the, the giveaway why first. Why don't you do King Rushers? I'm going to roll the dice. I've got my three dice here. Uh, okay. Um, and I'm can gonna we start answering while you figure it out? Exactly. Thank you. Well, All and right. here's, here's the other thing we're going to do. We're going to keep some of these questions for next time. And then we'll get more questions, and we'll do this again in a couple weeks. Yeah, and don't worry. We have 135 other questions that uh, we haven't gotten to you. <laughs> Jeez. So, so, uh, yeah, so, stop asking questions, people. <laughs> no, don't stop. It's great. Keep it's your just, questions yeah. to yourself. We don't care. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> so, uh, so, Cod Crusher, Hubbix Reds, and Matthew Fig are all kind of talking about the same thing. And that's basically the idea of, like, how do you figure out the math for your game? <coughs> and how do you balance it? So, I do the majority of this for our games. 
Um, when Peter Desidy has a different system, and when we co-design with Richard Lanius, his system is 100% different. <laughs> so <Yes. laughs> don't take anything I say and like assume that is industry standard or anything. I think every designer does it their own way. But even though I'm an English teacher, actually math is my first love, and I was always like a math whiz in class. I was on the math leets. Ooh, exciting, math leets. <laughs> I was, too. Um, I was too. Don't worry. I love that. Hey, yeah, awesome. there you go, Kyle. There you go. Yeah, I should have been an accountant. Um, so <laughs> for me, I, I do have to take like, just a guess. I'm like, I think this will be five. I think this will be seven. But once I get a baseline for a few things, I, uh, I work out uh, equations that then calculate like, how much something should cost, and I balance everything off of that. So in our... Uh, in the game we're working on currently, our our dungeon crawler with robots, um, I decided that like the weaker enemies would have five life, the strongest enemies would have ten life, and the middle enemies would have like seven point five life. And then I would modify that up or down a little bit based on how strong or weak <clears throat> their uh, special ability was. And then, you know, as we play, we say, hey, this guy's way too tough or this guy's way too easy. And playtesting does fix that. But you need to have some way to kind of get some values down in the first place. And when it comes to, like, cards and things, like uh, like dark dealings, you know, we have cards 1 through 54. And the 1 card is supposed to be easier than the 2 card. And the 2 card is supposed to be easier than the 3 card. I had tons of, like, calculations and Google Sheets and spreadsheets and things to figure it all out. But then when Peter and I ended up doing when we were like finalizing it for the really heavy play testing is we just literally put the physical cards down on a table and we're like, this seems weaker than this. This seems weaker than that. So sometimes math isn't enough and you just have to like look at two things next to each other and go with gut instinct of which of these is stronger. And even that is not going to be perfect, but that's how we tend to operate um, Lonius is much more a like throw something down there. That's awesome. I don't care if it's entirely balanced. You're gonna have a cool experience, and that and that's great. You know, like that's you end up with more like strong narratives in your game there. But we, one of our kind of core design philosophies is um, having like efficient, quick, you know, usually easily easy to play games with a lot of theme in them, but still having a pretty tight balance and pretty good like playtesting and everything. Yeah, it's funny. There was a episode of Ludology where the designer of Cosmic Encounter was on. And the quote from that episode was, balance is for weenies. <laughs> <laughs> and there is some truth to that. And I, I mean, in all honesty, we've designed games that were perfectly balanced. And you know what happens? None of your decisions matter. And it's not a fun game when none of your, there has to be a better choice and a worse choice. Because if there is not a better choice and a worse choice, then it doesn't matter what you choose to do. So in every situation, there needs to be something that's a little bit better, a little bit worse. Certainly there should be, so, and especially in co-op games. I mean, it's different in competitive games, but I think even in competitive games, you need some reasons for somebody to go for one thing over another. But in cooperative games, if character A is a little bit stronger than character B, I don't think it matters that much. As long as character A still feels like they get to do cool stuff, then, I mean, it doesn't really 
matter that much. Now, I mean, there is a point where it gets too far, right? Like, you can't have something be... I mean, in my mind, Zombicide is a perfect example. There's some weapons in Zombicide. Once you get them, that character is going to kill everything for the rest of the game, and it's no fun for any other character because they're not doing anything and they're not contributing. So there can't be that wide of a swing where my weapon is so much better that you may as well not be playing anymore. But to some degree, there's got to be chances to get better stuff because people get excited when they get good stuff. And there has to be a way to mitigate that to some degree. Like maybe I spend resources to give myself a better chance to get something cooler, you know? And I mean, I think people like that Magic the Gathering, let me open up a pack and see what's inside mentality. And, oh, that's really (coughs) cool. I've never seen that thing before. So it doesn't have to necessarily be stronger, but some things will be situationally better. And so maybe you get the right thing for your current situation and that comes up. So balance is a tricky thing, but the one lesson I will say to all new game designers is perfect balance is boring. There definitely has to be some variation and some way to mess with that variation in the game. Like some way to give yourself a better chance to get something cooler. Um, But you're going to have to sacrifice something else over here. Uh, and some games will work out and some it won't. But, you know, you got to give people the opportunity to take that shot. And sometimes they'll not take it, take the safe route and get the cool thing. But that's OK, too. Um, you yeah. Know, and but, and a great thing to have. And this happened in Dark Dealings more than Salvation Road is I think a game is well balanced if the balance is perceived differently. You know, by different players. So, like, Star Wars Rebellion is a good example. I know Colin's playing that right now. Some people will go on there and be like, it's impossible to win as the Rebellion. And then somebody else will be like, well, it's it's impossible to win as the Empire. And it's like, well, okay. that's And sometimes that's a bad sign, like the game is too swingy. But usually I think that's a sign that you can have different opinions on things and have different experiences with it. And in Dark Dealings, you know, Peter still thinks that the Wizards are, like, the worst thing ever because they blow up one of your defenses straight up. I'm like, I love these guys. Like, they're so cheap and I can kill them so easily. And I just let them blow up something crappy. Um, you know, so we balance them like somewhere in the middle there. But yeah, I mean, like p- perfect balance is not a great thing to necessarily strive for. But also consider that each player is going to have their own perception of what is and is not balanced. And that's okay. You know, again, as long as it's not so extreme that. <laughs> Sorry, just saw a comment that was a Star Wars quote, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> Thanks, Jobby. Jobby is the comedian tonight. Um, oh, what you said, tell are what we? The quotes oh, sorry. So, so Jobby said, "No, that's impossible," which is a uh, <laughs> nice quote from uh, Empire Strikes Back. I won't mm-hmm. spoil anything for you, youngins. And uh, if you haven't yeah. seen Empire Strikes Back, I think there's a 30 year limit on spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think that's fair. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I, I got a little. Uh... <laughs> Getting distracted, like, like yeah, I, I, I just have to read the feed while I'm talking. No, I know that's uh, the hard part. You have to not pay attention to it. No, well, I wanted to say one thing though. You guys talked about balance, and I was just thinking of Salvation Road that you guys worked on uh, or that you guys designed. It's something that I loved just loved about that game is how you balanced me as a player because when you're playing that game i have my character that's strong and has that great ability and then i have my character who stinks at everything and has this terrible weakness but i i have to manage both of them so i have to find my own balance when i'm playing well how am i going to utilize the the 
uh, positives of my one character and then minimize the amount of negative effects of my bad character. And I'm just thinking of the playthrough that I did and I had like one character who was always staying back at the home base <coughs> because they were so bad out going anywhere else. But as long as they stayed at home base, well, then they could fight off those marauders and then be able to still utilize their actions but not be such a, a hardship on the game and on the other players. Anyways, I just thought you guys did a fantastic job of providing you as the player, even with a balance in itself as I'm playing. I, I don't know. I just I thought that was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. 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 I mean, one of our goals for that game was emergent narrative. You know, there's a lot of games, that, and I mean, even the game we're working on right now, where we're giving you a narrative. But that game, we wanted Ivana, which is the character, the Ivana and Rashida, the two everybody always talks about. Ivana is the annoying character who is very annoying if you play her in the game. Like, whatever she does just annoys all the other players <laughs> yes. in the game. And we wanted that to be the emergent narrative, right? Like, whenever Ivana goes somewhere, she delays someone else because she's just talking their ear off. And we wanted it to feel like that, right? And Rashid is the screamer, so wherever he is, um, you That's know... Enough. No, increases no. the threat of that location and we just wanted you know because everyone's seen horror movies everybody's seen those tropes it's like oh no don't put Rashid over there send him <laughs> off by himself let him be like streaming off in his own corner over there and i guess the magician as well who disappears every time trouble shows up he's another one of my favorite well you know i haven't worked on that game in probably three four years now i you know i mean i've played it since then but you know, the, I still have memories of what those characters have done to and for me. You know, sometimes they become the heroes, too, which is, is the funny part of the story. I would yes. say that that game does provide probably just one of the most enjoyable narratives that isn't prescribed. So thinking of something like Arkham Horror LCG, where you've kind of got that more prescribed storyline. What I liked about Salvation Road is you generated its own storyline while you were playing it and you didn't need to even create one the players created themselves with how they have their players interact and how they have their individual characters react and i i personally remember when i was playing through the playthrough that i did on the channel that i didn't want to lose one of my characters so i did something totally stupid <laughs> just to save them like why why would i do that but it's because i was personally connected even though all they were was the annoying character that every time that they were in the same location, they increased the threat. But I was like, no, I'm not going to leave them behind, you know, because you still feel that connection and you felt that connection to the your bad player, which I also you guys talked about this, too, where when you have somebody uh, who, who has a special ability versus somebody who has a negative effect, everybody will remember the negative effect. They might forget yep. the special ability. But so, yeah, we all knew, or I totally knew that it was bad for me to do this. But I was like, no, I'm not going to leave them because right. mine wouldn't do that, you know? And that's not how I see it. Anyways, it was just, it was wonderful. And then, just, then you all died, right, Khaled? Oh, yeah. Hey, 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 you don't do this. <laughs> so, so, I mean, that, that shows the realities of a post-apocalypse, man. You gotta, you gotta let go of some of that got, morality. And that leave no one or left no one behind? Yeah, that's not happening, right? I guess. <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, I was close though. I was, I think, literally one ammo away. So I was, I was yeah. close. That's right. That's right. I remember. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't finish it up. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah. Um, I have. So is there any more chat? You said, Mike, you saw something else in the chat, or? That, that was it for chat. Um, I don't know if there are any final questions. Uh, Colin, you wanted to? No, I think we're good. Um, I just wanted to say James Reed is the winner, so I'll send him a note. Woohoo! Way to go! Yeah, Way to go, James! James. Yeah. 
games. I'm gonna get the uh, the Pirate Republic plus all of the expansion, not expansion, all of the Kickstarter stuff. I'm gonna send them all of the the coins and all that jazz because I don't need to keep all that. So um, I'll be sending that to him. I'll send him a note. But yeah, thank you everyone for joining. Thanks for sending all these questions. I mean, we've got so much here. I tell you what, though, we're yeah, gonna what? do this again probably in a couple weeks. I have had, by the way. Just for behind the scenes everywhere. I'm totally springing this on everybody here. But we have a lot of questions left. Um, so we're going to have a uh, another contest for the next time we do this. It's going to work a little bit differently. Since we already have 113 questions, if you submit a question for the next one, you're going to send us a game. Because we already have too many to cover. So for every question you have, I'm sorry... Like, if you want us to answer it, you're going to have to bribe us. The bottom line. <laughs> so, so it's a reverse contest. <laughs> I will, uh, you know, just just direct message me at MVP Board Games on Twitter or email me at MVP Board Games, and uh, I'll hook you up with my address so you can send me lots of stuff. <laughs> awesome. Money well, works too. It doesn't Ka- have to be Colin, a game. I, I heard I, I won the the unofficial Renegade contest giveaway. Right? So you're going to send me your copy of Renegade. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. What is this? What is going on here? <laughs> oh, uh, okay. See, this is why Colin didn't ever invite us to his uh, YouTube channel before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to delete out the whole last five minutes. So oh, no, right. it's nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> No, but seriously, thank you guys so much for joining. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. We're definitely going to do another one of these. We've got tons more questions. We're also planning on, um, Steve and I might answer a couple of them through the the co-op cast as well. So, yeah, we got tons of stuff, tons more content to do. Excited for it. So, thank you all. And please, seriously, though, I mean, I was joking about making you pay us to answer your questions. But please, feel free. If you have any questions or if you just want to talk to us, I mean, the best way is getting on our Slack chat. We're seriously mm-hmm. on there way more than we should be. <laughs> so, um, so I mean, we'd love for you to join. We'd love to interact with you directly. If you have questions, we'll answer them there. But we certainly love answering them in this long format as well. We can get a little bit more in-depth here than just, you know, a one or two-sentence answer. And like I mentioned, we are on a... We've joined Colin's Facebook, so it's the one-stop co-op cast Facebook. Uh, get on there. I just posted a cute picture of my son playing co-op games with me today. It was pretty awesome. So you can go see that if you, you head to the page. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, cool. thank you all for listening. This was great. And thanks thanks to the three of you, especially Steve, for uh, technical wizarding it. Seriously. <laughs> no problem, guys. This was fun to do. We'll, we'll do this again, so... Absolutely, and I'm sure we'll put it on the podcast feed as well. Perfect. Somebody will edit it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know about editing. Just expect this raw material. This is raw and uncensored <laughs> co-op cast. One yeah, stop. Yeah, just a little bit. Co-op <laughs> shop, like yeah, like Royal Rumble coming on here. <laughs> <laughs> and just remember, have fun gaming. And that means don't play Lord of the Rings because you won't have fun. <laughs> 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 you know, someone oh mentioned that they'll send you Lord of yeah, the Rings. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, man, <laughs> don't jinx us. We were going to get a free copy of the game, you know, uh-huh. like, don't, don't ruin it. <laughs> I do own Lord of the Rings. I don't know which expansions I own, in all honesty. And I don't know if you need more than one of the core set to make it fun. I mean, I, I had three of them back when I was playing it. I mean, I only have one. 
So you can send me two more sets and it'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't even think that'll make it fun, but maybe it would. I don't know. All right. All right. Yeah, no, we will definitely have a Royal Rumble coming up here sooner or later on that one. All right. Well, bye. Thanks for everybody's time. Thanks for joining me. Signing off. Bye-bye. Oh, I'll see you at the next stop. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us for another episode of Co-op Cast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please review us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out Mindless Fate. They provide our bumper music. Also, check out Colin on his YouTube channel, One Stop Co-op Shop. And follow us on Facebook at One Stop Co-op Cast. Finally, join our Slack group by emailing us at MVP Board Games for continued discussion on these topics throughout the week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.